Hello, stamped fans. Welcome to Women's History Month 2021. We have our first episode of this month that was actually recorded during uh, Black History Month, but it was an exciting experience for us at Stamped because this was actually our first live podcast. And this was conducted as a part of ISA by World Strides Live Expo for February. And we recorded the conversation with Malika Serrano, their VP of Diversity and Inclusion. And we are now able to host that conversation on our platform. So if you weren't able to join us live, you still have an opportunity to hear about Malika's experiences, as well as um, how ISA by World Strides is helping to navigate um, this this world of international education for students all over. Um, so we hope you enjoy the conversation. Without further ado, here is a conversation from the field with Malika Serrano. So thrilled to welcome today uh, Sharice Tucker, who is the founder of the Stamp Podcast. All right. She's also the founder of Travel Gene. And today we have a live podcast with Stamp featuring our very own Malika Serrano, who is the head of our diversity, equity, and inclusion team at our parent company, World Strides. Hi, how are you all? Hi, doing well. Thank you. Awesome. So I'm going to go ahead and let you all do your thing and sign off here and you are in control. Thanks, Candace. Yeah. Thanks again. Well, welcome everyone to a conversation from the field with Malika Serrano and Sharice Tucker. Malika, thanks for being here today. Sharice, thank you so much. I'm so excited about this. Me too. <laughs> I was, as I was preparing for our session today, I was thinking back to probably the first time we met, I think was at a Virginia uh, International Educators Conference. And it was the first time I'd actually decided to share my research on Black travel and how to connect that to the study abroad experiences of Black students. So I remember you being so warm, welcoming, and I appreciated that as a, a newbie in international ed. So thanks. <laughs> yeah, no, Sharice, thank you. I um, remember that fondly as well. I was reflecting on that. Um, um, opportunity that we met, I guess it was about four years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, particularly when you talked about the Green Book, that really spoke to me uh, as an African-American. Um, and I think that as we kind of get going in our conversation today, um, I want to lift that back up, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Any chance to talk about the Green Book, I'm more than happy to. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's jump right in. I love to learn about the early travel experiences of our guests. So can you tell us a little bit about what travel was like for you growing up? Absolutely. Um, so I think I'd be remiss if I uh, didn't honor my, my father um, by sharing just a brief story about how I came to have the name Malika because it all makes sense, uh, I think, into, um, you know, just my passion for international travel and education um, and how I got to be where I am today. So in 1970, my dad was a junior and he studied abroad at the University of Nairobi in Kenya. He was there for a year. And while he was there, he heard a song called Malaika. 
It's a beautiful song. And he said, you know what? If I ever have a daughter, I'm going to name her Malaika. I so love that's... it. And here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Exactly. I'm named after my Sharia more by Stevie Wonder. So <laughs> <laughs> you got the song vibe going. <laughs> hey, that, you know what, girl? I'm, I'm from Tuskegee. So that's, <laughs> yeah. Love all, love all the soul, love it all. <laughs> so that's really interesting that you, I, I don't know the actual statistics on this, but just that you're actually, I guess, what we'd consider second generation study abroad student, right? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I am a second generation uh, study abroad student. And um, I remember once I was at a, a conference and another African-American um study abroad advisor and I were having a, a discussion. And I don't know what came over me, but I just suddenly stood up. Mm -hmm. um, if my friend Shelly Ofado is, is listening in the room, she'll remember that, the story, because uh, she was there. And I said, hey, everybody, I want you to take a look at us, okay? Two sisters, two black women here, all right? Now just imagine that we're walking into your office and think about you know what kind of, um, you know, is Candace, you know, uh, kindly lifted up here. Um, later on, y'all will be talking about the danger of a single narrative. So what kind of single stories, what kind of single story narratives, you know, may be sort of um, implicitly placed upon me or another African-American student walking into the space. But here you have two black women coming in. One is actually a second generation study abroad student. And the other is a first generation college student, but you'd never know who was who, mm -hmm. right? So you just can't make assumptions. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point. And that was actually one of the biggest motivators for starting Stamped was I wanted to kind of offer a different perspective on, you know, what are the experiences? So instead of focusing on, oh, the number is still low, we need to get more students of color abroad. Well, let's talk to someone to figure out how they got there. <laughs> so with that in mind, Tell us, since you already knew about study abroad coming into college, do you remember what those beginning experiences were like? How did you decide where to go? What was your major? Tell us all the deets. <laughs> yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, and love that you are centering this conversation around Black joy. That's uh, <laughs> it's really great. Um, so, so yes. Yeah, so as I mentioned before, um, you know, my dad, he studied abroad at the University of Nairobi in Kenya. And all throughout my childhood and into adolescence, I grew up hearing his incredible stories. And every time I heard a story, I said, oh my goodness, I have got to have this experience. I've got to have the experience. Um, and you know, along the way, my parents were really great about instilling um, the, the joy and the interest in travel you know, mm -hmm. amongst all of us as we were kind of coming up. Um, but when it came to looking for universities, uh, that was actually a deciding factor for me. And um, I don't mind dating myself. <laughs> um, I did go to college in the 90s. Um, so kind of the dawn of the internet, if you will. Uh, and I, <laughs> I had my book, you know, I had my college book and I was looking and I wanted to see um, if universities were offering study abroad opportunities because mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to have that experience. So that's one of the reasons or one of the, yeah, the ways that I kind of honed in on the University of Southern California. Oh, which is okay. I went, yeah. Went to SC for undergrad. So any, any SC Trojans out there? Hey, fight on. <laughs> <laughs> always, always, you know, get a little shout out in there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
Nice. And what was your major there? Sure. Um, so my major was sociology okay. and I minored in psychology. Nice. All right. And so with that idea in mind, uh, did you visit the study abroad office? How did you know how to navigate that process? Because I, I would imagine it looks somewhat different perhaps than your father's experience navigating it. Talk to us about that. <laughs> Sure, absolutely. Well, um, so with dad's experience, um, they didn't have a study abroad program to Kenya at his institution, mm -hmm. but he was, it was part of a consortium. So even way back then, my dad knew that he wanted to go abroad. I'm telling you this gene, it's deep, runs it's deep. Real deep. <laughs> yeah, my, kid, my kiddos, they already know. I'm already talking about gap years. I'm already planting the seeds. I love it. <laughs> um, but um, I, yeah, that was a priority for me. And so um, I remember the study abroad office was kind of like, kind of in the cut. I had to like, you know, go into this building and then, you know, turn left, turn right. Um, and this is one of the neat things, you know, about our field. Uh, it really is a nice community. I think, Sharice, mm -hmm. as you, you know, mentioned um, before. And my study abroad advisor is a wonderful man uh, named uh, Dr. Gary Rhodes. Mm. And Gary is a legend in our field, an absolute legend. Um, and he was so wonderful. He was so wonderful. I remember his patients, when I'd go into the office, I'd pull those bins off the shelves, you know, again, books, right y'all? Okay. Books. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Just looking up things. Um, I didn't know exactly where I wanted to go, Sharice. Mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to go somewhere where no one I knew mm. had ever been before. Mm. Yeah. That's pretty, yeah, that's that's pretty, I don't know, challenging, I think. A lot of students, you know, you hear the lots of popular destinations. So how did you narrow it down? Well, um, so this was pre-Olympics. Okay. So, so I had to preface that because uh, it was definitely a shift after the Olympics, um, but I, I quickly kind of narrowed in on Australia. Okay. And um, a couple of reasons. One um, was that they uh, offered a lot of classes mm. um, that both you know, satisfied my major requirements, but they also offered classes that were not available at USC. For example, I took a course on Australians and Aboriginal society. Mm. I took another one looking at gender identity in um, like South Pacific communities so just really for me back then like far out like just wow you know I really want to you know dive into dive into all of this and so um, my institution had a program with the Australian National University in Canberra okay and that is where I went that's where I studied abroad for a semester I love that I think really getting the opportunity to you know, broaden the spectrum of classes that you can take while you're abroad is one of the most beneficial things about the opportunity. Because I, I remember my students would come back just so excited about, you know, their comparative classes in Korea or Japanese art classes. Um, really, truly amazing experiences for them. So that's really cool. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I guess then you really didn't deal because it was so ingrained in your family, this notion of travel with any, I guess, challenges from family members. I mean, no, 
Australia's a pretty big jump. <laughs> it, it is, it is. And you want to know something kind of cute? Um, I, so I moved like fairly recently and I was like looking through old letters and things and I found a letter that I had written my mother asking permission to study abroad in, <laughs> in Australia. Um, and actually, you know, it was, it was her reply back to me. She's like, da, 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 da. and yes, you may study abroad in Australia. So I still have that, which is, you know, kind of, yeah, it is. It's kind of nice. Um, so, so no, my family was extremely supportive. Um, the, um, the only thing that kind of maybe hesitate was actually, um, I was super involved on mm -hmm. campus. Yeah. Um, I am, I'm a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Oh. Yeah, yes. What about you today? Hey, you know what? Pretty girls wear 20 pearls. That's all I have. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what, Sharice, I had just crossed and mm -hmm. that was my my neophyte year. And so, you know, I was going to miss out on all the fun. But um, what was more important to me was having this opportunity because I just remember, again, you know, just growing up and hearing the stories from my dad. I mean, my name, you know, came from that experience. Yeah. I, I had to, had to go. Yeah, yeah, that's so valuable. I'm glad you made the decision. We'll get <laughs> a little more into how all these dots connected in just a moment. But so now we've made the decision. Mom has said yes in her letter. <laughs> And now we are in Australia. Tell us about that adjustment period. Do you recall thoughts, feelings that you had when you first landed? Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was, I was nervous and scared. <laughs> I, so it's a 14 hour flight from LA, you oh. know, to Sydney. And um, I remember uh, I slept a lot on the flight, but I would open my eyes and I would watch the flight, you know, the, the airplane on the mm -hmm. map. Doo, doo, doo. <laughs> and I was watching it go over all this, you know, blue, this expansive blue. And I was like, okay. Um, and then it was like, doo, 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 going over all these like tiny little islands I'd never heard of before. I was like, wow, I'm really going out far, far out. Yeah. Um, then, you know, arrived uh, in Australia and it was uh, early July of, um, 1997 uh so it was the middle of the australian winter and i was in canberra which is like one of the more like cooler cool like <laughs> cooler is in weather <laughs> gotcha <laughs> i mean no no shade on canberra i mean trust me i i will defend canberra to the fullest but it is <laughs> i meant is in cool cooler weather like warm coat yeah <laughs> So we landed there. Yes, yeah, so I landed there. Um, and, you know, it's all the, you know, the excitement and the adjustment of, oh, wait a minute, I, I gotta, I gotta look across the street multiple times because, you know, my automatic is going this way when the cars are coming the other way. Oh, Lord, have mercy, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, but um, orientation was what was run really well. Um, what I noticed immediately when I arrived, uh, it was there for orientation. I looked to my left. I looked to my right. And what did I see? What didn't I see? Yeah. No one that looked like you, I'm sure. Hello. There, yeah, girl. So there, there actually there was one sister who was there. Okay. Um, I and she was from Spelman College. Okay. Um, so our eyes locked. 
from across the room. <laughs> and I, I had a suspicion that I probably would be one of the few black students there because at my, you know, kind of pre-departure orientation meetings, I didn't see anyone and none of my friends uh, were going abroad. So it very much was like, okay, go, you know, well, I, I want to do it. Yeah. So I'm going to do it. Um, I was the only um, African-American person. So I stayed on campus. Um, okay. I stayed in a um, residence hall. Mm -hmm. And um, the so that in and of itself was a fantastic experience and a great way, you know, to kind of quickly meet um, Australians and, and form those friendships. So that was really nice. Yeah, that's great. And how long was your program? A semester? Mm -hmm. it, was, it was a semester. A semester. Okay, great. Good. And do you remember any particular, um, I guess we'll take the, the pit and the high point. So <laughs> really challenging things and how you overcame those and then a highlight that you remember just still to this day okay um pit would be um so i kept a journal and okay. i could i could see like after my kind of honeymoon phase around like that six seven week mark started to kind of like decline a little bit so you know definitely that but um once I began to kind of pull out of that, what I noticed is that um, the friendships that I was beginning to make um, were, were deepening. Mm. And so um, friends, uh, so I stayed in John, John the 23rd College, uh, college it was um, residence hall, um, started inviting me to come home with them on the weekends. Oh, nice. That little, that dip started to come right up. <laughs> And then, you know, I'm going to spill just a little tea here, you know, on, on the on the on stamp podcast. Um, I did have a boyfriend. Oh, <laughs> that's going to be part two of our. <laughs> that I met, um, I think, probably like a couple weeks into my study abroad oh, <laughs> experience. Um, really, really, really nice, really, really nice guy named Travis. <laughs> and, um, you know, we'd hang out all the time. I met his friends. We go, you know, cruising around. So that's like, shh. I would say in terms of like the um, collectively, um, the greatest experience that I had were the friendships that I made while mm -hmm. I was there. And because that's just, you know, stay with me. It say, will stay with me forever. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, one of our recent episodes was with someone I met when I was teaching in China. So <laughs> it really is amazing. Just, I mean, the types of people that you'll meet just literally from all over the world, right? Because there's exactly. other students who are coming there to study abroad as well. So it's it's nice to have those international connections now. <laughs> so we are going to jump ahead. I want to know though first, do you have any tips or advice for students who may be thinking about this process or perhaps they've already started their application, um, getting a jump start on, on that $1,000 prize I heard about. That's hey. exciting. Exactly. <laughs> any tips or advice you could offer the students and in particular, maybe those students who may feel um, a little hesitant navigating some of their personal identities abroad. So whether that's race, ability level, et cetera. Absolutely. Um, those are really great questions, Therese. And, um, you know, a couple of, couple of immediate things um, come to mind. 
Um, first and foremost is um, <clears throat> taking a deep breath and not being afraid to ask for help or ask mm. questions. I think, you know, far too often, and I'm, you know, I'm guilty of this, you know, as well. Um, I think, oh, I, I should know this or, oh, you know, I don't want to bother somebody. Uh-uh, bother, bother somebody or yeah. ask those questions uh, because um, people, I think what students may not initially realize, um, people who work in study abroad in this field, my awesome colleagues at ISA, we are here because we love this work and mm -hmm. we are here to serve. We are here to help you. And so we want all your questions. We wanna <laughs> talk to you. We wanna support you um, because we've been blessed to have these experiences and we believe in paying it forward. So that's like the biggest one I would say. Um, secondly to that, um, there's so much information available now, you know, mm -hmm. as far as, um, you know, to, hey, there's the stamped, you know, <laughs> podcasts, for example. Um, but there's, you know, of course, YouTube and, you know, we have um, uh, alumni ambassadors who studied abroad that we can, you know, connect students with. And so um, there is someone who wants to talk to you. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> you never tire of talking about your time abroad. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Not never, at all. I, no matter how long ago it was. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I had a chance to uh, to hear um, uh, Candace and, and, and Colton and Becky, you know, in the, the previous session kind of talking about like, hey, you know, we've mm -hmm. got this money, you know, you've got to, you know, come out. And so, I would tell my students, so I used to be a study abroad advisor um, mm -hmm. at UT Knoxville. And I used to tell my students, I'd say, hey, if you apply for this scholarship, then you know there's a chance, there's a percentage that you will actually get it. But if you don't apply, I will guarantee yep. this, right? Guaranteed. Absolutely. So put your step out, step out. Yeah, those are... Great tip. So for those who are listening again, we want you to ask all the questions <laughs> and whether that's through your contacts at ISA or through your uh, university's study abroad office, global engagement office. Um, we want you to ask all those questions and then certainly give yourself a shot and apply for those funds. That's great. Thank yes. you. So we're going to scoot a little further along the journey. <laughs> I'm scooting. Um, I'm scooting on the water. <laughs> Me too. I'm in Singapore. So <laughs> Singapore right now. Um, so one of the things we're really trying to do at Stamp this year is to be a bit more intentional about taking a look at careers within international education. Um, we certainly want to highlight the experiences of our Black students and international education professionals. Uh, of about the actual study abroad opportunity. But one thing that we've noticed is that people are really interested in the story about kind of how you got to work in this field. You know, this isn't in the list of things students are that's rattled off. You can be a teacher, lawyer, study abroad advisor. Nobody says that. <laughs> and so we want them to begin to say those things. And so we're going to dive a little bit into your journey. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and you're right. I mean, you most most kiddos, you know, when they're growing up, they don't say, you know, I want to be a study abroad advisor, you know, when I, right. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's not known. But 
you know, once you um, kind of step into the space, you're like, hey, wait a minute, this is this is pretty cool. Very cool. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> so so for me um, personally, I had a, a career, not an epiphany, but I would say clarity. Okay. When I was studying abroad in Australia, and I realized that I wanted to work on a college campus. Mm. I wasn't exactly sure what it was, but boy, oh boy, did I love this international thing. Mm -hmm. um, so then when I came back to USC, I leveraged my experience to get a job um, as an international um, peer advisor uh, in the International Student Scholars Office. So that's kind of like the sister office to study abroad, you know, if you will. So receiving international students coming to the United States. Yes. That was an awesome job. It was awesome. Um, did a lot of programming. You know, we're cruising around LA. So like International Diners Club and all sorts of fun stuff. Um, but that was really the jumping off point for me um, into a career uh, in um, the international education space. And then uh, when I went to graduate school at Maryland, um, I did a couple of practicums. One of those was in the GW study abroad office. So shout out to uh, GW. Thank you for that. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> experience. Yeah. Um, but then Sharice, uh, and I was actually uh, listening to um, your earlier podcast uh, with your colleague that you met in China, I'm teaching. Mm -hmm. And um, it reminded me um, that so after um, I finished grad school, I went to Venezuela and taught oh. English for a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, when I came back, um, I was a study abroad advisor at UT Knoxville for five years, and then um, moved to DC and worked for NAFSA, our professional association, um, and then stepped out a little bit and worked on the critical language scholarship program. Oh, so yeah. yeah, working with students um, in that way, and then went back into higher ed to work at Maryland for another four years. And then I made the transition to working um, with education abroad organizations or study abroad providers. So semester mm -hmm. C and then ISA into World Strides. So that's like Malika's kind of, <laughs> or this, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the I've water so I can do this. <laughs> yeah, I love those experiences just because I think, I think the global understanding of folks who work in this industry is that they have some type of international experience, whether that be study abroad like you, I taught abroad in China. Um, and really for me, it was actually um, a course that I took at East Carolina University on uh, cross-cultural communications. And I did a project about minority participation in study abroad programs and thought, I don't know, this is, I like this, this area of education. Like I could get down with this. So, you know, we come at it from all different angles, but it's nice to kind of hear the diversity of, of backgrounds within this industry, so. Very cool. Yeah. So now in your current role, um, where did that shift take place? I imagine that aspects of this were already, you know, with you and embedded in the things that you did. But when did you say, I want to focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion, specifically in international education? How did that happen? Yes, ma'am. Um, so so actually, Cherie, similar to you, um, for me, it it really kind of started was solidified by doing um, some research. Uh -huh. So um, when I, I mentioned uh, the the shout out to GW, um, so that was 
summer of 2000 uh, when I was an intern there, graduate intern. And um, the best thing that I did there, and this was um, the brainchild of Latasha Malone, who was then the study abroad advisor at GW and she was my mentor. Um, she said, I, I was working on a project to um, create a brochure for underrepresented students because that mm -hmm. was that was me. I'm like, this is my experience. I want to, you know, pay it forward, right? Yeah. Latasha said, hey, Malika, why don't we survey or pull together a small group of students who applied to study abroad but withdrew? Like, I don't know what happened to them. I said, okay, yeah, let's do that. So it was a, you know, warm summer evening. <laughs> we ordered some pizzas and we had about six students show up. And we spent the next hour and a half, two hours, just talking, mm -hmm. just talking. And that moment, that experience like forever changed me mm. because the stories that came out from that experience, listening to the students. I remember one young lady, for example, said that she was all set to go to Japan, but she just needed to get a chest X-ray in order to get her student visa. Mm -hmm. Well. She didn't have health insurance at the time. And it would have cost, I think at that time, $300. I mean, something like whatever 2000, you know, the year $2,000, whatever that was, right? Yeah. But she didn't have it. Mm. And because she didn't have it, didn't have health insurance, she was unable to get the visa and was unable to go. And that just broke my heart right there. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's definitely one of the things I advocate for is, you know, it's kind of like the old MTV saying, like, you think you know, but you have no idea. <laughs> the story is just, is just really asking those questions to figure out what's happening on our, our campuses with our students, because I think we'd really be surprised at some of the responses that we got back. So, yeah, thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah. So how has your work continued to evolve in this space? Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, so uh, up until um, just a few years ago, none of my positions uh, title wise really, I think, captured the kind of diversity, equity, inclusion work that I was doing or had done. Uh -huh. um, and I, I name that intentionally because there are so many people who are engaging actively in the work in this space but their job titles might not reflect that or their job descriptions might not reflect that. And like me, they probably are doing this work outside of, well, I was doing this work outside of my quote unquote normal job responsibilities. Mm -hmm. But because I put in that extra time, that extra effort, it was noticed and it was recognized. And so um, I was constantly looking for opportunities to increase access to students you know, be it creating a, um, a course at Maryland where I was taking students to the Dominican Republic to do um, service learning, or um, if it was, you know, back at UT Knoxville, applying for grants outside the university to create um, faculty workshops so that they could, you know, better support historically underrepresented students going abroad, et cetera. So I was doing this work at ISA and um, I just, yeah, um, my uh, <laughs> colleagues um, recognize that, and I really want to lift up uh, Jennifer Costa, who's the general manager at ISA, 
um, because it was uh, Jennifer and my then supervisor, Mark Galovic, who said, hey, Malika, we love what you're doing. You're making mm -hmm. a real impact in the field and we wanna hold space and, and lift this work up and amplify it. And so that's when in, in 2019, my position became a full-time position for um, doing diversity and inclusion work across um, our higher education division within World Strides. Okay, I love that. I remember getting the announcement and I was like, yes, this is awesome. <laughs> And it's, I, from that VIE conference alone, I've really just looked up to you and the work that you have accomplished in this space. And so, I mean, efforts definitely recognized and well-deserved. So congratulations again. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that, friend. Thank you. Yeah. So I think to round us out, could you talk to us a bit about what your goals are for ISA by World Strides? Um, hopes for like the future evolution of DEI and international education. It's kind of a double whammy there. <laughs> sure, um, so I, yes, yeah, so, so lots of great questions um, that you just pose. I would say just sort of starting with my current context, you know, working at, within World Strides. Um, so what's exciting now um, that I am, have a great opportunity of working kind of across um, the entire uh, World Strides family and portfolio mm -hmm. of, of programs, um, being able to tap into what's happening, say, um, in the uh, kind of K-12 space, mm -hmm. looking at synergy, mm -hmm, what's happening in higher education, you know, for, um, you know, graduate programs, et cetera. So um, there are so many talented people within this organization who are passionate, who are heart, who are skilled, and who are actively engaging in diversity, equity, inclusion work. And so what I see my role as doing is um, really looking at ways that we can um, better create synergy across different spaces so that we're not re reinventing the work because why? <laughs> but two, what's really exciting about that is I like to say that diversity, equity, inclusion melts silos. So what ends up happening is that you have folks from all across the organization, and you see this at universities and institutions as well, working together, you know, like for, for the common like betterment of the organization. So that great work is happening right now. Um, so we're doing a lot of work internally because DEI starts at home, mm -hmm. starts at home, you know, and, and if, uh, <laughs> what, what did my girl Lauren Hill say? You know, how are you going to win if you ain't right within, right? <laughs> so, so. Too, Malika. Okay. <laughs> Drop a smiley face if you know that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Lift, lift up the smiley face. It's all, it's a classic. It's all good. Hey, you know what? Listen, what do we talk about in DEI? You know, we, we want to show up and be our full authentic selves. Mm -hmm. Well, this is me. <laughs> this is me. <laughs> Kind of silly, kind of throwback, but you know. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And then Sharice, sorry, the, the other point is, uh, the other piece rather is um, externally, you know, how are we supporting our university partners? Um, how are we directly supporting students? And then how are we actively contributing thought mm. leadership to the education abroad field? Because mm. again, we're all about, you know, I think, you know, the, what is it, rising tide lifts all ships? Or boats or something like that. Um, so we really do believe um, 
wholeheartedly and paying it forward and mm -hmm. by being good community members. So, yeah. Oh, I love that. I know we wanted to allocate some time. I don't know if any questions have come in yet. Um, we can allocate a little bit of time otherwise while we're gathering those perhaps. Um, just wondering any final comments per se for um, students who may be thinking about, I have, I have two actually, I think. So first we'll go with the students. So any final comments for students that you think just wanna really drive it home for them? Um, yes, um, believe in yourself because I believe in you. We believe in you. Um, you're beautiful and all we want to do is support you and your dreams of studying abroad. And then how about, uh, international education offices who are, you know, really interested in lifting up these stories, their voices of students and or getting deeper involved in this, this DEI work. Absolutely. Um, you know, what's really encouraging, Sharice, is that, you know, um, this, this past year <laughs> uh, has been uh, monumental for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and, 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 you know, June 2020 was truly a watershed moment, I think, not just for our country, but for the world. And what encourages me is that I am seeing and hearing a lot of colleagues, um, there's just a there's awakening, an awakening of sort of like challenging assumptions mm -hmm. uh, and kind of um, reimagining what education abroad could look like. And also um, looking at our own offices. So again, taking care of home first and saying, hey, does the diversity in my office or my staff accurately reflect the beautiful diversity that is here you know, at my institution? If so, great, <laughs> tell other people what you're doing. Right. Right, but, but if not, okay, well, we've got a starting point. We've got a starting point. And there are a lot of people, including you know, my organization um, who actively support our uh, university college colleagues, excuse me, in their own sort of respective DEI journeys. Thank you. And I know students uh, probably throughout today have been um, told how to connect with you, but just one more time, I think it never hurts. And plus this, we hope this will live on uh, the stamped podcast platform. So we wanna make sure we know how folks can connect with you all as well. Would you share, how would you like them to get in touch with you? Sure. Um, so uh, my my email address uh, is mserrano at worldstrides.com. Um, but I'm also active on LinkedIn and love making new connections and new friends. Isn't that right, Candace? <laughs> it's absolutely right. I'm I'm so excited about this conversation. <laughs> Well, I just also want to take a moment to thank you all and the folks at ISA by World Strides who made this conversation possible um, in this live format. It's the first live show for Stamped. So this has been a fun new adventure <laughs> for me too. So thank you all so much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really enjoyed the conversation. You all definitely um, had my wheels turning as I thought about my own experience abroad. Sharice, I think you mentioned that you, you never get tired of talking about it, right? <laughs> Um, and, and I think about um, 
the way in which you and I sort of met by a chance encounter and have had the opportunity to come back together and to continue on in this work, right? Yeah. But I do want to lift up a question for those of us who are watching and who may be listening um, to the podcast um, with regard to uh, our families, right? I'm um, like, you sort of touched on this a little bit with regard to that, that fear that students might face, um, but we don't think about the fear of others because mm. as we know, safety is not defined uh, the same for everyone. And then there are other varying levels with regard to our identities um, externally and internally, right? And yeah. so I'm wondering if, for both of you all, um, because I'm, I myself am a former expat and I have my own views, but I'm wondering from you all, if there are any tips um, that you would give to students who may be uh, looking to sort of facilitate that conversation with their parents, right? Or their caregivers or their loved ones, um, partners, so on and so forth with regard to what it would look like for them to go abroad um, in the future, so. Yeah, excellent question. Um, Malika, would you like to go first as our guest? And then I'll um, Sure, yeah, I, um, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be brief. Um, you know, Ken, it's a great question. Um, the first thing that actually, um, that comes to mind really is um, getting a better understanding and unpacking, you know, what might be behind um, the fear. And oftentimes, you know, we're, we're, when we're referring to or thinking about family and close friends, it's out of concern and love. And so I think that by starting and situating sort of the, the questions of the conversation from that place, then um, there's a dialogue that can occur uh, in addition to that, um, if students are anticipating that there may be some nervousness or fears or concerns or what have you, already having kind of at the ready um, some information, because, you know, information knowledge is power, to be able to lift that up and provide that can really help, um, you know, put family members at ease. Sharif? Yeah, great. Um, kind of along the lines of the first note I jotted down was, kind of bringing them in on that information process, that information gathering stage. So, you know, for example, the ISA by World Strides website is a great um, uh, platform that students could explore with their parents or friends, whomever may have concerns. Um, I've heard that a lot on the podcast that while the students themselves not may not have been worried about traveling abroad, their family, friends, boyfriend, girlfriend, whomever <laughs> had lots of thoughts about it. Um, particularly if there had not been this this trend of travel um, in their in their family experience, and so I think bringing them in on the information gathering stages is important, and keeping them informed of each of those steps is is really key. And then the other thing that I've noticed um, in interviewing the students is that communication was also a large factor in what that fear looked like. So it was you know, how am I going to know that you're okay? How am I going to know that you got there? Um, what's your days like, etc. And so I found that students who have created like a clear communication plan up front, like we're, we're probably not going to talk every day, but I will let you know that I've arrived <laughs> and kind of keep you updated. Um, and I've had students do that in a, a myriad of ways. So one um, was simply through their phone plan. Um, it worked out naturally for them. Um, it was pretty easy. It, where they were in Mexico, it was already a part of their, their phone program. So no problems there. Um, other students actually as a part of their class assignments created blogs 
And so they gave the family members the blog link. And so they could check up there um, to, to figure out what's going on. They could kind of share in the journey with their students. So whatever that looks like for you and your family or friends, um, I'd say work out a communication plan that seems reasonable before going abroad. I love that. Um, I love that blog idea too, just simply because it gives you a unique way to document that experience, right? Um, yeah. To have something to look back on. I'm like you mentioned uh, the journaling, right? And being able to actually see the trends in, in how you felt and how you navigated that. So um, mm -hmm. I love that. Um, thank you both so much for, for joining us and for sharing your insights. Um, we're so excited to have Stamped here. Um, if students want to get in contact with you, Sharice, if, and for those of you who are listening, if you want more of this, the conversations that are happening on the Stamp podcast, where can they reach you? How can they find out more? Yes, thank you so much. So Stamped is housed on the Anchor platform. You can reach us at anchor.fm backslash stamped. Um, but we're also distributed on all major podcasting platforms. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker are some of the top ones where our, our um, stamp fans like to listen to us. And I'm also on LinkedIn. So if you have any questions, I'd be happy to um, help in any way I can. Um, so I just, again, appreciate the opportunity to share the stories and I thank those who have shared their stories with us. So we hope that they are, are as impactful um, to others as they have been for me. So thanks. All right, thank you. Bye. Thank you again for listening. And you then stamped. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, Candace. Thank you all, bye. Bye. Thank you.